Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Seen It All, where we break down this week's biggest movie and TV news. We got a double feature this week. We got Blue Beetle review, Strays review, all the box office updates, lots of flops this summer, and of course, a writers and actors strike update before we have Ahsoka and Gran Turismo next week. So, I want to start us off with the big new movie of this coming week, and that is Blue Beetle. And it's one DC. I've grown in my excitement for this film because of Blue Beetle Battalion. That trend running online has become very, very funny to me and honestly has powered me to have a little bit of anticipation for this, but I really thought the trailers for this film were not good. They were not good at all. And DC this year has been just okay at best. The Flash and Suzanne for of Gods, both films that I gave positive reviews for, they're both not the best. They're just okay. They're good. I haven't revisited them since the films come out, but I said they were okay to good. Audiences hated both of those films, but those films flopped so hard. So DC really, really needed to win here. And I was coming in looking for a great film. This is not a great film. It's, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It just, I put it on the same quality level of those other two films as DC, as Shazam, Fear of the Gods and The Flash. This is not the win that DC is looking for. But I want to go through the stuff that I liked first. There's two stand-up scenes that are really like, okay, I'm in invested in this. Like, you really got me hooked. They really did an excellent job with two specific stand-up scenes. And first of those is the attack on the house. I don't want to give it any context, but it did make me feel stuff. I got a little teary-eyed through some of the scenes in this. And it made me feel something for a second. I was like, oh, and then we went back to the other stuff. And then there's a scene at the end, like the final like five minutes in the movie. I was like, oh, this is great. If they could really build on that, then it, it'd be awesome. And I won't give any context away, but I wouldn't be sad if we saw Blue Beetle again. Blue Beetle again is pretty good character. I love his relationship with Jenny. Jenny and Hame, they were the main characters of the film, and they were the real great parts of this. Parts of this. They have real chemistry here, and you can clearly tell. And there's rumors that they're dating in real life, and you you can see it up all on screen. But the characters are awesome. Jenny is the reason he's in this situation. I thought like with reason he has blue beetle and all the hardships that comes with that i think they could play that up more about how much like it's her fault that all of this bad stuff happened to him and hopefully they do more with that if they ever pick up on this storyline again like i feel like they could have really really good relationship tension when they do that i wish they would have done more with this one but other than that jenny was great i love her brazilian accent i think that's her the way she talks is very very good i it's a weird compliment, but I love the way she talks, and then they just are really great together. And I love, I love those characters. They're both great. George Lopez is surprisingly good in here, and he's way more of the film than I thought he would be. He has a few funny jokes, but I thought he was going to be overbearing from the trailers, like his Batman's a fascist line, and everybody got up upheaved about that, which is it's nothing, it's just a throwaway line. But he's in a lot of the film, way more, way more than I ever expected him to be. And he did a good job. He did a really good job. The score, the score was awesome it kind of reminded me of the soul soundtrack with the techno the synth wave especially over over the opening credits oh side tangent here but at the opening credits they were like the godzilla film where they have like news ports and it's like zoom super in like military uh violence and it's like we're not learning anything here it's just kind of boring we're just looking at big words up on the screen like you could have done something inventive with this like the same with the godzilla like don't tell us this is telling us nothing it's just, at least we get to listen to cool music. The score was this was really cool, especially during the emotional climax of the film. The score was so cool, but I feel like the opening credits were awful. And same with the Godzilla opening credits, they all suck. The soundtrack, however, I would call really bad. And the songs do not match the scenes they are part of at all, at all. They were just absolutely awful song choices. Like, this does not fit. Who made this final decision? Also, Latino influence was really cool, too, and I'm pretty sure this is the first Latino live-action superhero film, and I'm glad they finally got a hero of their own culture. Also, the little nuances really of these characters really stood out, and you can clearly tell 
you can clearly tell that this film was made with a labor of love, especially some of the characters here. They're just, they're good people. Like they're the dad. He says he's going to tip 25%, even though they really can't afford it. And they have the community, the community in their, in their city. And it's just really cool. And it feels really representative. And I'm so happy that everybody gets a chance to see themselves up screen in the Latino superhero. Like that is so cool. And I'm so happy for that. I mean, that's like one great thing this movie did. And you could really tell this was a labor of love for a lot of people. And if I'm not in love with it, I can tell a lot of labor and love was put into it. Um, and then also last thing I have to say that I really liked was the city itself. I think I can't remember what the city was called. It was kind of like Miami, but futuristic. The cities, the, the, the skyscrapers are cool. They had holograms and stuff like that. Like I'd want to live in that city if I lived in DC. seems like they didn't have too bad of a crime rate there. So I think I want to live in there, but now I want to just transition to the stuff that I did not like about this film. As I've said, we've seen this film play out many, many times before in other superhero films themselves. Like it's, this is a very basic structured superhero story. It felt really boring at some times. And I wanted this, I wanted this just to be, I want this to elevate this, like the superheroes films. I don't want just another standard one. Like I'm, this is what, this is what giving superhero fatigue when you see the same exact film over and over again. And this felt like the same exact film over and over again. I wanted this to be one that stood out. The action scene sucked and was really let down because they filmed most. They filmed, I saw in the trailers, the action scenes didn't look great. They didn't really show much off in the trailers. Trailers were awful. But there's a scene of a tunnel where he's kicking people in the wall. I was like, okay, that's going to be a good scene. It wasn't. There was flashing lights. It was in a tunnel, dark, darkly lit. And it hid most of the stuff they were saying. That, that's probably due to the budget. You can tell. I'm glad this movie's in theaters. But you could tell this was originally meant straight to HBO Max. Like, they did not have the budget for this type of what they were trying to show off. They spent it all on the the big final fight at the end and then the scenes where he's flying around the space and the suit stuff, but they could have done, it just, it just let me down to the action scenes. I was really hoping some really great action scenes, but no, no, the little sister also bugged the crap out of me, especially in the beginning. And like, she's kind of the reason he's in this whole situation along with Jenny. And it just, I didn't like her character. And she's also the reason why some other stuff happened later. And she just kind of blames everybody else. I'm like, I don't like, I don't like you. I don't like you at all. Um, and then also the villains really, really weighed down the film. The more so the female one who was very, very stereotypical. I think she was played by Sarah something, something like that. She's pretty famous Hollywood actress, but she hasn't done much in my timeline. So um, she's just the worst kind of villain for a comic book film. She's almost as bad as the human villain in the Meg 2. Like they're literally the same. This, this villain in Blue Beetle and the Meg 2, it's the same exact villain. And it's just, it's just an awful villain. The Blue Beetle opposite version Man Solo was his name. I don't remember. But the red blue beetle, the red beetle, he was also bad. And they tried to pull something with his character towards the end, but it came like whiplash. And I don't really, it did not really connect because it was like the last two minutes with his character at the very end of the movie. I was like, uh, you're throwing this on me now. I feel like they could have really fleshed out his character. And I wish they did. I kind of wish he was a main villain and she, the, the, the corporate lady was in the backbone because I feel like they could have really, really fleshed out the tragedy of his character and really would have made it better. And I don't know. I'm just really let down by the villains. Like we could have something so cool here with such meaningful backstory, but no, we didn't get that. Also, the thing about killing people, Blue Beetle like wouldn't kill anybody, and then they start killing everybody in the final act. But he wouldn't kill anybody, and they're literally pointing guns at his family and saying like, "We're about to fire on your family," and they start shooting at his family. He's like, "No, we can't hurt them." When they're coming for your family, you dead. I mean, that's maybe like a personal thing, but also he doesn't learn his lesson because so many times he let these people live and then they come back to bite his butt and someone ends up dying or he ends up getting captured or something like that. It's just, it happens multiple times. It really, really annoyed me. I was like, just get it over with. Just do it, man. You're an alien. Take it over. And then, and then also the, the sim, the, the um, alien tech also learns stuff about killing people. It was just a very, very weird way how they switched it around by the end. I was like, this what is happening? Uh, the CGI for the most part looked really good. And most of the time the suit was practical. So that really helped. But some of the emotional scenes, 
completely took me out because of the bad CGI, specifically one with his dad towards the end. That was not good. It reminded me of like the Thor Love and Thunder CGI for a second. But the stuff with the suit was good. But anything else oh, was pretty good, especially the green screen. Yeah. Is is this the win that Disney that DC was hoping for? And is it good enough to keep this character around for James Gunn's new DC? No. No, it's not. It's a fun little side film that's fine on its own. It's fine on its own right, but we still need to start over. This movie is not going to save the DC brand at all. But so let's talk about whatever everybody else thought, because I'm kind of in the minority here. I, they thought, let's see if they can think they can salvage the brand. But spoilers, it can at this point. The brand is way too damaged. But there were strong first reactions coming out online. I'm starting to trust those less and less at this point. They have started to give influencers and not critics access to the films. And it really throws off the first reaction completely when I'm looking at them online. The full reviews for this came out Wednesday, though, which I think they lifted up, lifted it a little late. I think they should have dropped them on Monday. DC really needed to win, and they somewhat got it with the film currently having an 81% score on Rotten Tomatoes. It's certified fresh. That's very good. It started off in like the 90s, I think, but they, I don't think there's been a certified fresh DCU movie since Suicide Squad, which was at a 90%. And then before that, I think you'd have to go back to, to the first Shazam. So... The DC films aren't scoring the aren't scoring the best critic scores at this point. Uh, the audience prediction uh, f- wise, I think people are going to have fun with this, but it's not good enough to where it's going to leg out super far like Elemental was or like Avatar was, or like Barbie's doing. It's 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 going to open on par with Shazam too, which we're talking about a second, but it's not it's not going to fall off a cliff like I think that fell off like seventy percent in the second weekend. It's not going to do that, but it's not going to do too, too, too terribly well. The movie's not going to make money as it's coming in with a 27 to 32 million opening projection and a 55 to 60 million worldwide projection. Ooh, that is really, really bad. Thankfully, these have gone up since middle of July, where they were supposed to be like 12 to 17 million domestic debut. But I believe those have strictly gone up to Barbenheimer because people got out to the theaters and like, okay, I want to go back and enjoy this experience again. Because the marketing for this movie has been so, so bad. And they started to Thankfully, people have started to take it upon themselves realizing, oh, this marketing's really bad. And they started the Blue Beetle Battalion thing, and everybody's kind of promoted themselves to get the word out. The actors can't promote it anymore. And it just, it's really turned out bad for them. And the trailers were awful. And so I don't think this film's not making money on its $120 million budget. Yeah, that's still, I thought they were supposed to keep it under 90 for these HBO Max originals, but I guess they gave it more since they were moving to theatrical. But it's got a long way to go if it wants to prove to James Gunn that Blue Beetle needs to be part of the DCU because right now I don't think they do. Can we please, please just start over? Stop promising things, James Gunn, to people. That whole Wonder Woman thing, it came out that they aren't, they DC leaked to the trades that they aren't moving forward with Wonder Woman 3. Gal Gadot is not lying. She has nothing to gain from lying. So, James, did you tell her and now we're going back on your word or did you do tell her something else? James Gunn and Peter Safran, what the heck are you doing? I feel like we're just going to dive into all the drama again. And I need someone to write a book or make a documentary about this. I need a good, good 10 episode limited series on HBO about what the heck is happening to DC at this point. Because it's just a mess and we should stop promising things we're going to deliver. Let's not promise that Blue Beetle is going to be the first character of the DCU until we see how it delivers. Because I just want to start over. Don't we all? Can we just, can we just begin again? Can we please, please begin again? So now I want to take my Avatar popcorn bucket because I was not, they didn't even have the Blue Beetle popcorn bucket, which was like a backpack. I mean, I wasn't going to buy it because it was $35. It looked kind of cool at AMC, but let's take another blue popcorn bucket. My, my blue, my blue Avatar popcorn bucket. If you can see it, if you can see it, I'll hold it right here. I might block the mic a little bit. might hurt the audio, but this popcorn bucket just turned up. Let me get a turned up popcorn. Don't buy a large popcorn to this. Don't you dare. Don't you dare buy a large popcorn for this movie. It's not worth it. So, but I, I still give it a thumbs up, but it's not an overwhelming success at all. Now I want to get into my Strays review. And this is a film that the trailers I thought looked fine. 
there was a few jokes like the mailman in the sky is the devil. Those got me, like, that got a laugh out of me. Uh, but other than that, I don't like talking dog movies. I don't like talking dogs anything, especially when they're real. It just makes me feel uncomfortable, and I don't. I was not looking forward to this film at all. I mean, I love Will Ferrell. Kevin Hart's he's good in the Jumanji movies. Other than that, mm, he's good when he's paired up with Dwayne Johnson. I like Kevin Hart when he's paired up with Dwayne Johnson. Other than that, mm, so I wasn't really looking forward to doing double feature. I'm pretty sure this film was supposed to release that back in like June or July, and they pushed it back to here, which I think is really funny because now they have the actor strike, so they couldn't have Will Ferrell or Kevin or uh, Will Ferrell or J did I say? Jamie Foxx, I'm, wait, and I'm getting more confused. It's Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. Yeah, Will Ferrell, they didn't get them to be able to promote the, mo promote the movie, so they kind of just, like, shot themselves in the foot right here. And I did also didn't know it was made by Lord & Miller Production Company, so I saw that in the beginning. I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's going to be good. Maybe it's going to be, no. No, it's very bad. It's very bad. But I got to preface by saying I didn't see the last 20 minutes of this movie. I left, the movie thinks an hour and a half, and I left, like, an hour and 10 minutes into it. There was probably like 10, 15 minutes left, but I was like, I, I don't need to see any more in this film. I know I don't like it. I know I don't like it. Um, it just, it, 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 it just isn't funny. It's, it's really not funny at all. It's actually quite sad, which was very surprising. It's actually very sad. The most of the jokes were just about dogs humping stuff. There's a scene where they all get high and drunk stuff like that. But like, this isn't my type of humor. I mean, I like Joyride. Joyride was funny. No hard feelings was fun. But this, this isn't funny. And it's not good at all. That was just about dogs humping stuff. And then the other half was about dogs trying to hump each other. And it just, it's, it felt especially uncomfortable because this was real dogs. And I'm like, this is, ugh. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about sex jokes with dogs. It's just, ugh. Like, I can do it with other people, like Joyride and No Hard Feelings, but not with dogs. This is, this just feels gross and feels wrong. Absolutely wrong. Uh, Will Ferrell and, uh, Kevin Hart, they seem like they just got their check and ran at this point. They were doing nothing special at all. They were doing nothing here. Um, I maybe chuckled here and there, but I judge a comedy by if it can get like a laugh out loud, laugh out loud moment for me. Like Joyride got a laugh out moment. No Hard Feelings got a laugh out loud moment. Cocaine Bear. Like there's always a standout scene in comedies for me. One that I'm just dying on for laughing. If you can give me that, and even the rest of the movie's not that funny, I will be there and I will be supporting that film because you gave me that giant, giant laugh for me five minutes straight while I was gasping for air. Not even like, it was like a chuckle. There was like no laughs for me. And it, it, it just was not good. The film was, was more sad than anything about how Doug, Doug, the the pet owner, treated the dog and how others were treating their dog, especially because you can tell they use real dogs. I said, it just, it just made me very uncomfortable and very sad. It, I just wanted to come home and hug my own dog, even though I'm actually allergic to dogs. I can't touch dogs so I can just stare at them. And I'm like, I really want to love you. And it made me want to go home and visit my dog and just give her a big hug. And it, it just, ugh. It's just, it's just very unsettling the way they portrayed them in this movie. And if I'm uncomfortable, I better be laughing. Like, I was uncomfortable on Joyride, but I was laughing, so it was good. And I wasn't even laughing in this film. This is not the comedy you want to see. This is one of my least favorites of the year and maybe my pick for the worst of the year. But I can't say that definitively because I didn't see last, like, 15, 10, 15 minutes. But it wouldn't make this movie good if one-fifth of it was outstanding while the rest of it was dog poo. It's just... I'm very, very disappointed in this movie. I was hoping for just like another fun comedy. Like we had a good streak with comedies, but this was not it. And maybe I should know that from seeing the trailer that like seeing dogs make all these sex jokes was not my cup of tea because especially because they're using real dogs. It just, ugh, it just, it just made me very, very uncomfortable. And it's, it's not a good film. It's not even a good film other than make me feel uncomfortable and not laughing. It's just, it doesn't even have a good story. It's just not a very good film. I, I, the popcorn bucket, the popcorn bucket, the popcorn bucket is turned down if I can position is down don't go see this movie don't go see this movie no hard feelings just came out on streaming 
on for digital for purchase $20. Go watch that. Don't watch this. Please don't watch this. My God. <laughs> Especially if you love dogs, this is not the movie for you. This is definitely not the movie for you. And Universal didn't believe it either because the review embargo and reactions lifted very late. It is a 55% Rotten Tomatoes last I checked, which is way higher than I thought it would be. Comedies are always over the place because humor is definitely subjective. So some people are loving this film saying they laughed every scene and I'm happy for them. But this was not it for me. And that's just my own personal opinion. Uh, I, because No Hard Feelings was great. That was in like the 60% Rotten Tomatoes. I thought the movie was great. And Joyride had like a 90s, which that movie's good. I think I like No Hard Feelings better at this point. But Joyride had more story to it and a more emotional core that pulled that one up from the trenches. Comedies are always divisive with critics. I think Bridesmaids has, is in like the 60s. I'm not sure. Same with Anchorman, which those are two of my favorites. They need audiences on board for this film. Like, it doesn't really matter what the critic scores are for these comedies. It's more what the audience think. If they come out having a fun time, having they've laughed their butts off. And we'll see. Universal's on a hot streak with our low-budgeted R-rated films. But ever since Renfield back in April, those have fallen off a cliff. They had the last wedge in a meter or two, which we'll talk about in a second. But this and that and Renfield, all these flops, they really need to regain their awesomeness of Violent Night, Megan, and Cocaine Bear. God. Can we please get back up to Cocaine Bear? Can we please just let Elizabeth Banks direct another cocaine animal movie, please? Those movies were so much fun. I really want another one. Um, this is another R-rated comedy that many people predicted would do better, but the trailers just, they didn't look funny at all. It's projected to open around the mid-teens, which I think it would have opened up better if it had opened in its original, original release date. Like, the longer it's taken for this release, the more air that's been let out, let out of the balloon. I think total budget total budget's around $30 million, so this would be... A solid performance for this film, but I, I, I don't think I don't think this film's gonna. It may turn a profit eventually on streaming and stuff. I mean, everything kind of does eventually, but uh, this is not the success story that Universal was looking for, and I, I, I did not like it one bit. Don't go see this movie, please. If you're gonna choose to see a movie this week, please let me leave this at the bottom of your list. Put it at the bottom. <laughs> now I want to talk about the box office of this past week, and we have to start off with, of course, talking about Barbie. I feel like I'm just overwhelming everybody with the Barbie talk, but Barbie is making huge waves when it comes to box office. And it held exceptionally well again, only falling 36% in its fourth weekend to make about $34 million this past weekend. It is a third film this year to reign supreme at the box office for four weeks, four weekends or more. Its domestic total is now up to $526 million, or I think it's like $534 now, which also makes it the biggest Warner Brothers release ever domestic-wise in their entire studio. They just beat The Dark Knight, which was that was their biggest, which is weird because that came out 2008. So it's now their biggest film ever for the domestic box office worldwide it's up to 1.18 or i think it's at 1.2 billion now which it's almost closing in on harry potter and the deathly hollows part two which was warner brothers biggest film of all time worldwide it's going to be that it's going to be warner brothers biggest movie all time domestic and worldwide which is absolutely insane um as for it's being the it's now been in the top it's now been the top of the box office for four for four weekends in a row and that ties it with avatar way of water and the mario super mario bros avatar way of water was at the top for like i think seven or eight weeks but for 2023, you take that by itself. It was up there for four, and Mario was the other one, which was in which was on top for four weekends until Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three came out. It's the Mario is still the biggest film of the year currently, but it it looks like it looks like it's going to be taken out by Barbie, and it, it's projected now that I think Barbie's going to end up with like 1.4, 1.5 maybe, which is absolutely astronomical. It might come for Top Gun Maverick last year, and maybe we could get, get, could get five weeks up up at the top number one, but that's if it holds an astronomical amount and Blue Beetle falls even more flat on its face, which I said it has a 30 million projection. Excuse me, but it can open even lower. I, I would not rule that out of the possibility, but either way, Warner Brothers wins, and it's tracking to be the biggest film of the year, as I said. Also, that makes it the biggest for a female director of any kind at the domestic box office. It's the biggest for a solo female director at the worldwide box office. It's under Frozen 2, 
which is co-directed by Jennifer Lee, who's also the head of Disney Animation. And that made like $1.45 billion, which is absolutely insane. I wish I need Frozen 3. Can we please get a move on it? I love the Frozen movies. And I want a Frozen Land and Disney World. Sorry, my Disney World. <laughs> I, I really enjoy Frozen. Those are probably some of the best Disney anime movies they've ever made, along with Moana. I love those. Hopefully Wish can be on that quality. Um, also, it came out this past weekend that 25% of people who saw Barbie say it was their first film back from COVID. That's incredible. Uh, that, that that's that's crazy and I'm glad we get more people back in the movies and it makes me very happy because that means more people will go see more new movies if we can keep making good movies and not strays <laughs> and then as for Greta Gerwig's next project she already signed up for Narnia which she signed up for two Narnia movies and to go straight to Netflix and that sounds like really stupid and Netflix is just pissing me off more and more lately and I I don't want filmmakers to go to Netflix because they had that maestro film with Bradley Cooper made that's looks really good despite like that controversy or whatever but i want to see that in a theater and it's going to get like a probably like a four theater release at this point and i'm like <laughs> i want to be able to see these movies in theaters get the full experience and not have to watch it on netflix and get it booted up with no marketing or advertising and you just throw it in the pile and you're the reason the strikes are being upheld for so long god netflix netflix just is really really pissing me off at this point i don't want greta gerwig to be stuck at netflix please just ask that contract with the strikes, just just get rid of it, Greta. Go go make please go make another great big studio picture movie. I'd love to have like a top female director making big blockbusters. Like that'd be so cool. Also, it came out that Margot Robbie made fifty million dollars off of Barbie because she's the producer of the film. She's the one who got brought Greta Gerwig on, and she's also that the main actress. The rumor is now that she's coming back as Harley Quinn for the DCU, which I still think is stupid. People are bringing back, but we're bringing people back. I'm glad we're bringing her back as Harley Quinn. Um, also, Gunn called her the best actress he's ever worked with. So it's pretty much if he's bringing anybody back, he's bringing her back. Uh, as for Barbie 2, no one has signed contracts yet. And I don't think Greta Gerwig wants to do another one. The way she's doing these interviews, it seems like she's done. But Warner Brothers for sure is going to make one. It's kind of hard to carry on with Barbie's character. If you know how the movie ends, she has definitive endings. So maybe we can make that like the de facto Barbie sequel focusing on Ken. But that's kind of funny for a film all about women to have a sequel with the main character being a dude they will definitely do a sequel and margot robbie and ryan gosling are about to get paid barbie also came out that it's coming to digital september 5th and it's going to be huge there as well that's like good six or seven week release window in theatrical like i think that's pretty healthy but you've made a ton of money when you made over one billion i think you can afford to push it put it streaming now and more people will explain it there and they'll pay 25 dollars for it they're just making so so much money off this film Barbenheimer has propelled the rest of the box office forward, making this past weekend in August up 77% from last year's August, which we had nothing come out last year's August. It was absolutely awful besides Bullet Train at the beginning, which is a great movie. I love that film. And I actually canceled my A-list for that month and I had to get a new email. It was a hassle because they wouldn't let me resubscribe because I canceled for a month. And it, the way the AMC is run is really, really stupid and it really annoys me. But I do like their A-list and it's the nearest movie theater to me, which is annoying. It's just a hassle. But I don't ever want to be a period like that, like last August where we had nothing come out. And I, I, I need re movie releases to keep coming out. I need good movie releases, not bad stuff. Give me the good stuff. Please continue to give me the good stuff. As for something else that's performing well, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which I'm just going to be calling Mutant Mayhem, it fell a very respectable 44%, but it didn't open the biggest. It made $15.7 million this past weekend, and but the total money this movie makes doesn't matter because just for this year alone, the, TM, the, Mut the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles brand has passed $1 billion in sales. I think it's been like $8 billion since 2013. Wow, that's absolutely incredible. How how did the parody? I didn't realize that this was originally a parody of Daredevil. That's where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came from. This was a parody of Daredevil that turned into a cash cow, and it's now worth way more than whatever Daredevil is worth. That's absolutely insane. It has a slow rollout overseas, so this will be Mutant Mayhem will be a long time player. 
um, sequel and series will still happen, even if they don't get the over, even if they'd like the overall number to be better. Uh, maybe don't announce a streaming date already the, on the second day of release, especially a streaming date that comes out after it comes out before it releases in some markets like Australia. It's, it seems really, really stupid and pretty dumb thinking on Paramount's. Paramount's just had awful release strategies this year. Like, what are they doing over there? They took they took that Top Gun Maverick money and ran. They're like, oh, well, we'll let AI decide it. Maybe they let AI decide all these decisions, and they ended up with this. I think AI would be smarter than these decisions that they're making right here. Elemental just came on streaming, and they only, they only announced that release date recently. They didn't announce it this, the week the film came out. It's Mutant Mayhem still going to lay out. There's no new animated films until Paw Patrol at the end of September, which I don't understand. Those the, the Paw Patrol makes so much money off of three-year-olds. It's, it's unbelievable, but I, I don't think I'm going to see that movie. I think there's Saw X and Creator releasing that weekend, and I'm not doing a triple feature with Saw, with Paw Patrol and Saw. I can only do one of those, and I'm choosing Saw and Creator. I, I'm not seeing Paw Patrol. So it should have a while to play out. Mutant Mayhem will, may have underwhelmed Paramount expectations, but it's still making a lot of the money for them, and it's propelling the toy sales. So that's they, they just want more toy sales honestly at this point and that's what they got the other film is the meg to the trench it didn't fall as much as i thought it would it only fell 58 percent to 12.7 million that isn't terrible for a b minus cinema score i really thought it was going to drop off a cliff um it didn't open in the biggest though but still i thought we were going to see like a high 60 summer they should be happy it's made this much money in america with how bad it is it fell about the same in china too i believe but this movie the movie is going to finish with like 80 to 90 million US wise. And it's, it's not even passing a hundred million domestic at all. That's, ooh, that's a little rough and around it's going to finish around 360, 390 million worldwide. That would turn a tidy profit for the film. I think it had like a 130 budget. And I think enough for a sequel for like to make the Meg trilogy. If Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 gets another sequel, I think they can do another one here. Warner Brothers finally has two wins after a terrible first half, despite Evil to Rise. But Shazam Fury of the Gods in the Flash. Ooh, that was a really rough first year for them. Barbie has brought the studio back to life. They finally have a little bit of cash flow that David Zaslav can now absolutely squander. But as let's move into the flops. Let's move into the flops of this past weekend and this past summer. We'll talk about that in a second. But Last Voyage of Demeter, otherwise known as Dracula on a Boat. This movie fell flat on its face, making only $6.5 million. It didn't. I didn't make it out to this film. I just didn't have time, and the reviews are bad. But I think it's like the 30s on Rotten Tomatoes. I just I didn't feel bad about skipping it, even though I wanted to see it. I just I just don't have time when school started and all that fun stuff. But I maybe I'll I'll probably see it eventually when it hits streaming because I love a good Dracula movie, and I love that it's based on an excerpt from the actual book. But this it didn't captivate me enough to make it to rearrange my schedule to get out to see it. The film had a 45 million budget. To uh, it's going to lose a lot of money for the studio. They should have named the movie Dracula on the boat. Dracula on a boat because Dracula's design looks so cool. And I bet you people didn't even know Dracula was in this. Dracula was in this movie from the trailer. Well, maybe not from the trailer, but from the poster and stuff and the title. It it just didn't captivate people because it felt like we've seen everything they were putting forth elsewhere. It's just a bad play from Universal, who, had, who was, as I said, had a stellar year beginning this, but maybe getting a wake up call with their lower budget of pictures. They just they all can't live up to Cocaine Bear. They just can't. So yeah, last watch Demeter flopped hard 6.5 million dollars on a 45 million budget that is rough that's absolutely rough but it'll hit pvod in 17 days they'll probably make a lot of money there but still not enough to reap that 45 million dollars that's for some other flops um it recently came out that mission impossible dead reckoning part one and indiana jones and the dial destiny are both set to lose a hundred million dollars to their studios oh it's just a lot of money and i'm surprised that mission impossible still lost 100 million even though indian jones cost more and made like 200 million dollars less so I, I don't know the math there, but that's still a lot of money. And Fast X reportedly turned a small profit. I'm guessing on streaming because this budget was too high to turn a profit on a $700 million gross. But 
it's just I, I just want to throw this out there because there's it's just insane how much all three of these films cost and they paid the price for that look at barbie and oppenheimer they didn't need to have a crazy crazy profit to be successful they didn't have a crazy number in order to turn a profit i think that word's better because they didn't budget they were both barbie was 145 oppenheimer was 100 and you can keep the budget smaller put more toward adver advertising so people know that your movies are out it's just a bad play for the huge temples of summer while the lower budget ones outperforming them disregarding gardens of galaxy volume 3 but other than that most of these lower budget films are outperforming the bigger ones and it just studios need to manage their money better that's all i gotta say and especially because you can't pay your actors and writers but you can pay for this crap manage your money better it's just it's absolutely insane it really really annoys me now for an update on the writers and actors strike i'm just going to make this part here quick but uh, the writers strike may be coming to an end soon it hopefully it might be coming to an end soon in soon negotiations keep on stopping starting and stopping at this point because they the trades are still trying to paint the actors and writers as the villains they are not and the trades are owned by the studios like deadline hollywood reporter variety and like you can clearly tell they're being owned by them and it looks like the studios have backed off on the AI issue for now with giving writers complete credit and are not supposed they're not supposed to be using AI, which is wonderful. I'm glad they backed off on that stupid decision because that would have cost them so much money in the long run. And it's just absolutely stupidity how they're being run right there. There's still some issues over the amount of show writers to have in the writers room as studios do not want to set them out. And the doors are being kept closed from the outside, but I really hope that they can work it out this week. Send proposal, then counter, and continue to, and continue to send counter proposals and proposals until everyone is unhappy. That's when you reach, reach a great compromise, when everybody's left unhappy because you know you got something, they got something. Actors, actors after this will be left out in the cold and will feel a little squeezed too, but I think studios will then turn to them in hopes of saving the fall movie slates and the fall 2024 slate and hopefully some fall, fall film festivals too. It's going to get rough. I think if it doesn't, hit labor day i think dune if when it gets labor day and these strikes aren't solved i think dune 2 is moving i think a lot of movies are moving which is going to suck just pay your actors and writers fairly and you want to deal with this you're losing so much more millions of dollars for this it's, it's stupidity um the tron 3 director came out and because it was mad because they had to fire 150 people who worked behind the scenes that's just it's just gonna be a struggle because the rest of the industry would stand with iatsi which iatsi is like the behind the scenes workers who were going to go on strike about two years ago they solved that if they had a strike too the actors and writers and directors would be on strike with them too. They would support them. And who are you talking? Director of Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, and Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Especially with a movie starring Jared Leto too. This sounds like it's going to be bad. I, I, I don't want to rant about Tron 3, but I, I just want a great Tron movie. The others are fine, but can we hire an actual competent people? Head of, is it Disney? There's like a Disney, Disney live action division, and they've just, Haunted Mansion was crap. Can we please hire good people to run these stuff? And, oh. If you hire good people to run it, pay them well, and you'll get good results. Good results. But I just want to like mention lastly, actors and writers strike update. I gotta mention something that makes me happy. The, the one good thing we got out of this whole actors strike, besides hopefully an uncompromised and makes everybody happy, is that we got a Parks and Rec reunion on the SAG strike led by Lil Sebastian and Aubrey Plaza. Right there, if I can get my finger to point to it. Right there. Oh my God. It's little Sebastian. It's little Sebastian right there. And Aubrey Plaza is holding a sign that says Ann Perkins work in, works for the AMTP or AMPTP, the, the, the Producers Guild. That's absolutely hilarious. And hope, I'm just like so happy this picture exists. And it really made my day when I saw it. I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. We're doing this. Hopefully studios will pay their actions and writers fairly so we can get this all behind us. As for what's coming next week, um, first I want to talk about the new movie and that is Gran Turismo, which has done like tons and tons of early screenings at this point i don't want to watch this movie but i'm glad i don't longer have to see this trailer play i had to see it play in front of blue beetle 
it was awful and i don't want to have to watch it again i've come to ironically love it though kind of like the morbius memes at this point the people making fun of the trailer are so freaking funny especially when they quote it they have done a thousand early screens at this point as i said none of which are closer than an hour to me and there's no way in heck am i driving two hour round trip to see this movie early it's not happening it has a 60 percent rot tomatoes also it's two hours and 20 minutes long why why are we prolonging the struggle i don't i just want to see david harbour orlando bloom and some cool racing scenes i don't want a two hour two hours and 20 minutes and just some unneeded subplots apparently it's like a girlfriend subplot and steals his dad's car and stuff like oh i don't i don't want to but i will see this movie for you guys i will give an honest review it, it sounds about right but I, I will still be there opening night and i will leave my preconceived notions of the film at the door and i will go in hoping to having a good time maybe i'll be pleasantly surprised that would be awesome, but uh, it's, it's, it's not looking like it right now. And then as for what I'm really excited about this coming week, I am absolutely love Ahsoka and all of the trailers they have put out for the show. Disney Plus really, really needs a win here after their past couple of shows have underperformed. And I still love Mando, but it was weaker than the first two seasons. Hera, Sabine, and the Rebels crew are back. I couldn't, I'm, I'm still trying to finish my, Rebels, my Star Wars Rebels rewatch. I'm on like season three now. Because I really didn't like that show. It's just like too childish for me at this point. But there's some good parts of it. Especially the parts with Ahsoka in it. Oh, it's so good. And Hera. Hera's amazing. But if Ahsoka can, can take the good things from Rebels and make it more adult, then we will be perfectly good. I just don't want this to slow down. And there better be some amazing lightsaber fights. Runtimes are a little rough after the first two. I think the first episode is like 54 minutes. The second episode is like 48 minutes. And the third episode is like 34 minutes. <sighs> we are going to do eight episodes. Then make them an hour long. Or or close to it, because if not, then just make a movie, and I hope we don't fall into this pitfall again. Mandalorian Season 1 and Season 2 were good, and those had shorter episode runtime, so if we can just make it good, like Mandalorian, please. I will be up at 2 a.m. to watch the show when it drops next Wednesday, even though it's a two-episode premiere, so it's like an hour and a half, but I will be watching it. I don't want anything spoiled for me. Adrenaline will keep me awake, I am sure of it. Maybe that's why I also can stay up, can't stay up super early for the other Disney Plus Star Wars shows and Secret Invasion recently, because I just don't have that adrenaline plump adrenaline pumping like i did for loki wandavision hawkeye mandalorian oh i was so i was so pumped my body would jolt me away at two in the morning but this and loki back to back better live up to my hype please please i'm begging i'm begging you but that'll do it for this week's episode of seeing it all what did you guys think to blue beetle did you see strays don't see strays i highly recommend you don't see strays did i repeat myself enough don't see strays but uh make sure to tune back in next week's for a review of gran turismo and ahsoka's episode one and two i'm so excited i can't wait but make sure y'all like comment subscribe follow me on my social media i'm on facebook instagram twitter whatever but thank y'all for listening have a good